Daryl Ryder. What's up, buddy? How are you, Nick? Oh, it was a great weekend of sports. And, uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think the two best teams won last night, which sets up a, a phenomenal and interesting Super Bowl. So, I'm a happy man. How about you? I predicted the Kelsey Bowl and... Um Glad to see Cleveland get some representation on Super Sunday, finally. I will also say you had the correct take on the uh, the people complaining about the referees when I heard you on the morning show today. I, 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 I said this earlier. I've never heard anyone walk away from a game and say nice things about referees. Meaning like, <laughs> okay, maybe they got a call right, but I've never heard anyone say that's the best officiating game I've ever seen and wow, things are going well, officiating's in good hands. Have you? No, and I will say this. The NFL has an officiating problem. There, there's no question about it. Um, for the technology being as good as it is, it, the refereeing should not be as bad as it is, uh, number one. Number two, the millions upon millions of dollars now involved via sports gambling that the league has openly embraced with it being legalized uh, through vast parts of the country, including now here in the state of Ohio, um, they need to get it together. That said, officiating did not cost the Cincinnati Bengals uh, that football game. That uh, personal foul uh, in the, the final uh, 20 seconds there did not cost the Bengals uh, a chance to, to go to the Super Bowl. Obviously, it moved the Chiefs into, into position, but the bottom line is within the final five minutes or so of that game, Joe Burrow had the football in his hands not once but twice. With it, with the chance to give Cincinnati uh, the lead, and uh, they were unable to execute, and they were unable to to take that lead. And uh, Patrick Mahomes did what Patrick Mahomes does when you give him a chance with less than a minute to play. He gets his team in position uh, to win a football game. So yes, the officiating was terrible. Uh, yes, that's a tough call to to swallow, even though it was the right flag to throw at that time on the personal foul. Oscar goes to Mahomes for the acting job to really sell it. But uh, the bottom line is the Bengals had legitimate chances to get that done, and uh, they just they didn't do it. They also had 10 offensive drives. Burrow had two INTs, and he was sacked five times, and it could have been a million. Yeah. So, like, it, uh, what's always weird to me is, like, right after the game, I totally get, oh, it was late in the game, but, like, I understand you win or lose the game literally with how you play the final uh, 15 minutes of the game, but like the Chiefs had uh, a, a, a Pacheco touchdown uh, t taken off the board because of a phantom holding call, and like just because it happened in the first quarter, nobody talks about it. Right. Well, and, and, and like I said, the, the NFL needs to go with the sky judge, the eye in the sky. Uh, couple that with this advanced, uh, enhanced, whatever they call it, replay system that they had here uh, for review during the postseason. That needs to be all put into effect for next season. You are never going to have a perfectly officiated game, to your point earlier. That's never going to happen. But there are things that can mitigate some of the buffoonery that we saw not only in Kansas City but also Philadelphia and we saw last weekend, and we saw the weekend before that, and then the uh, previous 17 regular season weeks of uh, football as well. So it's not going to be perfect, but the technology does exist for the NFL to get it better than it currently is and also 
have it done in a way that doesn't do to the NFL what has happened to college football, where basically a college football game is turned into a Yankees-Red Sox five-hour marathon. Daryl, can I get you on board with the idea of the NFL having emergency quarterbacks like the NHL has emergency goalies? They used to. They used to. Uh, they used. They used to have an emergency quarterback uh, designation. I. I don't know why that went away. Um. Uh. But. On. On. I guess procedurally it's gone away. But for teams, right? I mean. Uh, I don't know who the emergency quarterback would be for the Browns now. I know when Jarvis Landry was here, he was the, he was the emergency quarterback. You know, Josh Cribbs was the emergency quarterback, and in fact, at times, sometimes the quarterback. Um, but uh, yeah, I I would uh, say that that is also something that they probably should look at to the uh, the ability to have uh, a team have that uh, third quarterback available to them if needed, um, and. You know, you just put the the strings attached that were there before. If, if the third quarterback has to go in, well, then the guy he replaces can't come back or something like that. But yeah, they they probably should go back to something like that. Uh, I noticed a tweet yesterday. I forget who it was from. I think it was from a former player or executive who was uh, talking about how that now has added some strategy to the game day active rosters. You have to make a decision. Do you keep an extra offensive lineman or extra defensive lineman, or do you keep a third quarterback active and stuff like that? I, I just think that not nah, just go ahead and have an active third quarterback uh, that is there on an emergency basis. And then, uh, yeah, cause that, that scene in Philadelphia was like straight out of the next time the Cleveland Browns make the the conference championship game. Like that is something that would totally happen to the Cleveland Browns. Let's be honest about it, Nick. I would rather not be, but mostly because I don't want to be depressed. And it's uh, it's a good Monday. <laughs> We've got good vibes going here, Daryl. Um, it, let's get to the Browns there. So I I kind of just was was rambling earlier, and I had said like I, I've had a lot of conversations just in passing with friends that we're kind of in the quiet time for the Browns here, right? Because they've already hired Jim Schwartz and we're waiting to see if some of these guys on their staff leave. And, you know, we're, we're not to the Senior Bowl yet. We're not to the Super Bowl yet. We're not to the point where guys can be uh, untechnically traded only to be traded at a later date or where guys can be cut. So I'll ask you, what is the next big what, – what, what do you anticipate being the next big piece of Browns news? Well, I mean, that's going to probably be whatever staff adjustments come as a result of uh, guys getting opportunities elsewhere. Um, and I don't know how big of news that's going to be. Um, I I don't think, or at least I don't anticipate that Kevin Stefanski is going to be firing anybody else. I think that any other changes are just going to be the nat- the result of uh, the natural cycle of uh, the NFL here. So um, Senior Bowl is coming up this week. Uh, this just in, yes, Andrew Barry will be there. Andrew Barry's there, always is always there, so it's not exactly news. Um, yes, the Browns will meet with every player that that is attending. Again, not going to be news. They're just all doing their jobs, doing their research. Browns got eight draft picks, but yeah, um, it's it's you know, take a deep breath, time, relax, chill, enjoy some Cavs basketball time for Cleveland sports fans. But uh, fear not. The Browns will be dominating headlines when we blink our eyes again. Daryl, thinking of all the NFL head coaches that could enter this year in the hot seat, yeah. does Kevin Stefanski enter the season on the hottest seat? No, 
That's that's McCarthy in Dallas. Yeah, I agree. Spe- especially after that news dump in the middle of the NFC Championship yesterday. Yeah, it, it's McCarthy. But I, I look, I, I put Ke- uh, Kevin Stefanski number two on that list. Um, uh, as I said with the morning guys, look, uh, this is two straight years that uh, the Browns have underachieved. We've talked about it uh, for a couple of weeks here at Nauseam. But um, you could make a case that he should have been fired uh, after this season. But you could also make a case that you should bring him back for a fourth year and give him and his staff an opportunity to, to get this thing on the tracks because those two years, things were not uh, perfect, especially from the quarterback standpoint. Well, uh, they replaced the, the starting quarterback after one year of failure, uh, and now they replaced the defensive coordinator after another season of failure. So uh, there's a lot of pressure on him. There's a lot of pressure on Deshaun Watson now. Um you know, Ben Roethlisberger finally retires, and now Gerber Ogro comes along, right? Uh, so th- this kid ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Now the Browns, the good news is they've shown they can compete with the Bengals in, in head-to-head matchups. They're like the one team in the division they can beat with uh, some semblance of regularity. Uh, the Ravens and, and uh, Steelers, well, that's uh, a 30-year work in progress, it looks like. But um, the, the pressure is going to be on. There, there's no question about it. And quite frankly, I think Stefanski should be entering uh, the 2023 season on the hot seat because I just I don't know what more excuses are going to be there, right? This will be the fourth offseason that Andrew Barry will have had to augment the roster. So they, they, they can't say to ownership, hey, we need more time to put Humpty Dumpty back together because quite frankly, Humpty Dumpty was put together pretty well for them when they walked in the door. Daryl, uh, the big news today, well, one of the big pieces of news is that uh, the 2023 salary cap will be a record $224.8 million. That's an increase of $16.6 million from last year. What should we make of this news here in Cleveland? Uh, that's very good news for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, in fact, it uh, that, that number still needs to be higher. Um, there's going to be some accounting that they'll do this offseason to uh, accommodate their uh, additions uh, because they're, they're tight on the cap. They're, they are paying a lot of guys, starting with now uh, Deshaun Watson. They are paying premier quarterback and salary cap to a quarterback for the first time in the expansion era. L- let's just be honest about that. Outside of Tim Couch's rookie contract, when rookie contracts – you know, we're just absurd, right? Uh, now that there, now that there's a pay scale, it, it uh, you know, kind of evens things out. But Miles Garrett, right? His extension. You got Nick Chubb. Um, Denzel Ward's going to be kicking. So they they've got these extensions that they signed some of their young core players to, kicking in on top of Deshaun, so that tightens things with the cap. But the cap's basically a figment of everybody's imagination, and if you got good uh, guys with calculators in your front office, it's not going to be a problem for the Browns. Daryl, I basically heard you go full bleep them picks on the morning show today. Please yeah. explain your theory. Uh, well, uh, because, again, Stefanski's on the hot seat. Um, the draft and develop guys that they already have are hopefully, fingers crossed, going to be coming into their own. Uh, they've got eight picks. Second rounder, you can find a guy. Third rounder, maybe that's going to be a comp pick. So you're on the back nine or of the uh, 
back end there of round three. You've got two fourth-rounders, big deal. Trade them both, please, for the love of God and everything holy. Two fifth-rounders, again, trade them all. Uh, uh, a sixth and a seventh. Again, trade them. So the uh, fact that the Chiefs had a great draft and that's kind of why they're in the Super Bowl, that doesn't matter? <laughs> I knew you were coming back at that with that. Well, um, it was, okay, so it's less uh, – my my a, thing my thing is is they point, have I, dra- I forget I, I forget the number I'd ha- I I'd have to pull up the number I just off the top of my head I don't remember how many picks Andrew Barry has made in three years I'll just say he's made a lot of draft picks in the last three years and I don't think that they need another eight um so you know very targeted in the draft I think that that's fair uh, to say so four maybe five guys in the draft class would be perfect. I also do we know why the hell these guys don't ever utilize like fully utilize uh, like the undrafted free agents because I feel like they're a sp- I can't name one undrafted free agent they've hit on in the three years and that's hard to do. Well, um, how many draft picks have they hit on? Oh, I don't think that's fair. I think they've got plenty. Of guys I think hey, good three years is a- three years is absolutely fair to begin evaluating that, especially the twenty twenty class. It is. I think there are plenty of good football players. I just don't know they have drafted zero great pro football. bowlers. I don't care about the. Come on. Well, but that's it's a flag football game now, Daryl. Well, pro bowlers and all pros, and the, those those are some of the metrics that are used to find Hall of Famers. Joe Thomas made 10 Pro Bowls, man. That's a big reason why he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Daryl, are the Cavs a disappointment so far this no. year? No. No, they're about where they were a year ago. Uh, if they win tomorrow night, that's four straight months that they'd have a, a plus 500 record, and the last Cavs team to do that put a trophy in the case. So, no. Um, have they lost some games that have been extremely disappointing uh, via some either no-shows or poor execution down the stretch? Absolutely. Totally worth criticizing, whatever. But to say that they're a disappointment right now, no. And and the the Eastern Conference is is a logjam. Uh, big one tomorrow night with the Heat. But um, I, I I think that everyone kind of needs to take a deep breath. I realize it's a little different last year. That it was fun. They came out of the middle of nowhere and was great. This year they come in with all these expectations, and that's why you know people are nitpicking, and that's fine. But I think some just got to take a deep breath here and just allow this to play out. See how it goes before we go fire the coach or say the team stinks and they've underachieved and been a disappointment or whatever. Again, they're going looking to go four for four as far as winning records, and that's pretty hard to do. So that would not be disappointing if they if they ultimately win tomorrow night and set that up. I I, I could make an argument they might have overachieved. All right, uh, is this the year? Or sorry. Given what they did with Donovan Mitchell, does it make sense for the Cavs to swing big at the trade deadline? Um, if something's there, yeah, and and obviously Kobe Altman has shown his willingness to be uh, aggressive, along with Gansey there in the front office. So if opportunity knocks, absolutely go for it. Uh, again, bleep those picks. Um, I'm not getting trophies for draft picks. So if, if they think that there's an opportunity for them to drastically improve this team, go for it. I, I just I don't know, Nick, what is out there that is going to be that, you know, drastic shot in the arm, if that makes sense. Not that they need a shot in the arm. I just I don't know if there is a massive upgrade that's even going to be available to them. So just give me one I'm... of the Bogdanoviches. Just yeah. one of them. 
So, well, I mean, I just I have some tempered enthusiasm about this year's trade deadline because I'm trying to look at it more so realistically rather than, hey, if they get this guy, it is on in June. You know, because I honestly felt that way when they got Donovan Mitchell that, well, I guess I'm not making any plans after Brown's minicamp in June this year. Um, I still think this is a very good basketball team. They're young. They're working their way through some things. J.B. Bickerstaff has some things to prove just like these kids do, but um, I think the Cavs are in pretty good shape considering where they were a couple of years ago. And and for all the grief and, that I gave Kobe Altman about he didn't know what he's doing, yeah, he showed me. He knows what he's doing, and he's done a pretty good job here putting this thing together. All right, Daryl, we got just uh, a few moments here. I uh, John Adams is a guy, uh, obviously the – the legendary Indians and Guardians drummer, he passed away, or it was announced yeah. he passed away. Uh, I've shared a couple thoughts on it. I didn't know if you wanted to take a moment to to speak on on him and any maybe special memory you might have had. God, I, I mean, I look, I remember going to the old Cleveland Municipal Stadium. We'd buy those $6 cheapy general mission tickets in the outfield, and you'd go, and there'd be nobody there. and You just, you just heard this, this hollow thumping coming out of the bleachers every time there was a base runner. It was Albert Bell beating up somebody (laughs) in the stands. (laughs) I said, but you know, um, he really was, you know, he get obviously well-deserved, um, a lot of people's memories uh, of John Adams come as a result of those Indians teams in the 90s. Let's be honest about it. He really was the soundtrack of that ballpark, and not a lot of people do remember that he was at the old Cleveland Municipal Stadium starting in 1973 when nobody went to those games, or it was literally mom, uh, you know, dad and son night at the ballpark type thing, or friends and family nights. Um, and he was there through thick and thin. There were not a lot of good memories uh, in that old stadium uh, in the 70s and 80s, and he was there for every single game. But, yeah, the you go back and you watch anything about those 1990s Indians teams uh you know the 455 consecutive sellouts and all the 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 division titles and playoff trips and getting to the World Series a couple times there he is you just you just hear that that drum beat in your head and and that whole ballpark there was nothing better than that entire ballpark on its feet no music and all this other stuff they do now going just everyone's clapping as John Adams is up there banging that drum. It was the most natural, energetic fan experience ever. And he was as great as he was there. He was an even better human being and person. You will never find a single soul to say a bad word about that man. Uh, he hated, he didn't enjoy the attention, but he, you know, did the fan fests and stuff, uh, later in life, uh, for the Indians and the guardians and that, uh, always took pictures with the kids and let them bang on his drum. Anytime, uh, he got caught out in public with it, just a beautiful human being. And he's going to be missed in the atmosphere of the ballpark. The last two years, you can feel, you could feel his absence from the park. Great stuff, Daryl, and uh, I I love what you had to say there, buddy. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You bet, Nick. I don't know the Browns should be all the way to bleep them picks. Like, if you could get a starting edge rusher or defensive tackle, especially defensive tackle who can kind of rush up the middle, and they got a three- or four-year run left, okay, all right, sayonara, second-round pick. 
I'm not trading the second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, who you're going to have to pay, who has been injured, and who I don't know is the missing piece offensively. If you could find, like, uh, let's say a fourth round pick for Chandler Jones coming off a disappointing first year in Las Vegas, sign me up today. Second round pick for a 32 year old edge rusher coming off his worst season in the NFL? No, that's a no for me, dog. So it feels like, and I, I think Daryl was maybe being a, a little bit, um, a little bit uh, hyperbolic. I almost said facetious, and that's, that was not the word I was looking for. But a little bit of hyperbolic when he was like, hey, you got a couple fourth-round picks? Yeah, bleep them picks. Trade them. Ah, fifth-round picks. I actually would like to play a bleep them picks game with uh, with Daryl Ryder. There's what, listen, there are reasons to say bleep them picks. The Rams did it. They won a Super Bowl. That's all that matters. And if you could tell me right now, they trade every pick this year, and the guys that they get help you win a Super Bowl next year. And you know what? Trade next year's uh, draft picks too. Cool. Bleep all them picks. Whether it's this year or next year, I would do it, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. However, I and I do think that the Browns' youth held them back. Looking defensively, I think I think there were times where your youth did hurt you. On top of the Browns, who I'm pretty sure was blaming uh, luck, I think, for most of this. I disagree with people, though, who crap over Andrew Barry's uh, draft tr- track record. Uh, Tim on Twitter actually brought up uh, the the Donovan Peoples-Jones pick, which, again, as a fifth, was it a fifth-round pick? Um, that is an absolute hit as, of a fifth-round pick. And not just that. Like, you can you can kind of go through the, the margins here. That first year is problematic. Jedrick Wills, inconsistent, was really pro- – this is probably his worst year in the NFL. Grant Delpit really didn't play his best football till the final five games of this year. Jordan Elliott. I actually think of the three, Jordan Elliott's the best player. I actually think Jordan Elliott is a starting defensive tackle. I, I just think he's been playing next to, to nobodies. But again, Jordan Elliott. Jacob Phillips. But like, who's the, and when we say bust, I mean, who's unplayable in that? It's Jedrick Wills, Grant Delpit, Jordan Elliott, Jacob Phillips, Harrison Bryant, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Nick Harris. Every one of those players gave you at least 20 games, or meaning they were at least ready to play for 20 games. And four of those picks were were guys who've played at least 40 games for you. Next year, Newsom, JOK, Schwartz is the real one. Schwartz is the one you have every right. He's been god-awful. Schwartz, James Hudson, Togi Ifields, LeCount, and Felton. And then this year, I actually feel the best about this year's picks. MJ Emerson, Alex Wright, I think I well, I think MJ Emerson's a starting corner in the NFL. And not just that, I think him across from Denzel Ward's going to be a real, I think the Browns cornerbacks specifically are going to be a real problem for the rest of the NFL. But then you look at that. I think Woods, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma, has a chance to be really nice. I think Ford, Perrion Winfrey, and David Bell all teased you with something as well. 
Do I know there? See, the problem is, do I know there's any all pros over the last three years? No, I think Emerson, Newsom, and JOK give you the best chance of all pros from the from that list. How many Johnny Manziel's do they have? How many Justin Gilberts do they have? And again, I know I, I'm not trying to lower the bar. The bar still is find yourself a Travis Kelsey in the third round. Find yourself a Jason Kelsey. I think I think also in like the fourth or fifth round. If the Browns are are going to to succeed long term, especially with Deshaun Watson, especially with anybody, with Kevin Stefanski, they're going to have to do a better job of of drafting. They're going to have to find a couple All Pro players in the draft in probably one a year from now on. But to say that Andrew Barry hasn't done diddly squat in terms of drafting, it's just disingenuous. I wish it were better. It's also not enough to justify saying bleep them picks and make stupid trades. 216-578-0092. Do you agree with Daryl? Is this not a draft and develop year? Because Kansas City had, and you saw it yesterday, Loftus made uh, a big sack. You saw, um, I mean, Sky Moore's been ar- arguably their worst player, and he had to be out there on the field producing. Uh, Cook, the young defensive back. I can't remember the other, uh, the cornerback the they drafted. Oh, his name is right there, and it's escaping me. He play at TCU. This ain't helping. Um, the, oh, McDuffie from Washington. So that's a team. And by the way, the year before, after getting after getting beat by Tampa in the Super Bowl, they completely re- reworked that offense and that offensive line specifically. Creed Murphy was or Creed Humphrey was their second round pick. Trey Smith was, I believe, a sixth round pick. On top of trading for Orlando Brown Jr. Now they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So draft picks matter. It's not sexy. And I also think, like, I asked Daryl and he kind of responded that, you know, well, they're not really good at drafting players. Why would they be? I would like to know why the Browns don't utilize undrafted free agents better. In three years with Andrew Barry, I can't recall a single undrafted free agent that I've either been – they've got some guys that have been street free agents. They've got guys who have who have been been either drafted or undrafted somewhere else and then played a bit and then come over. If they've been in the NFL, they're really good. But the big picture stuff, like every year Baltimore, Justin Tucker, undrafted free agents, uh, Donnell Ellerby undrafted free agent um I can't remember Marquise Douglas undrafted free agent every single year that that squad Matt Skura who was a center for a couple years every year they find a couple of those kind of guys Tyler welcome to the show buddy what you got for us hello Tyler oh hey yeah um I I I kind of agree with Daryl uh I think anything after I don't want to get rid of like second third or fourth round picks but fifth and on like get rid of them trade for something just get us some veterans that because we need help on the defense yeah but but why couldn't you just do that on like free agency 
there. That, I mean, that is a possibility. I 100% agree. Give me a name. Let, let's come on. Let's go big name shopping here. What's one player you'd like to see them trade for? Uh, I can't remember the guys. He's uh, the Washington defensive lineman. Uh, oh, Deron Payne. Yeah. 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 We could even call I, it. Uh, I somebody mentioned uh, earlier that uh, I mean, like earlier this week, earlier this month. I don't know. Time's a flat circle, Tyler. Thank you for the call. We could call it Miles of Pain. Miles Garrett. Deron Payne. No. Okay. Uh, 